I think somewhere along the way, we picked up a cultural message that a successful career is a successful life and a lack of career or unsuccessful career is a failure of life. And nothing could be farther from the truth. Welcome to the Know Why Podcast. I'm your host, Liberty McCarter. For many of us, it's not enough to know what people say about life's most important questions. We also want to know why. Each week, Know Why tackles tough questions on topics ranging from spirituality to current events. While we approach these issues from a Christian perspective, we discuss diverse opinions and ultimately dive into what the research says. Are you ready to know why? Let's get started. Welcome to the Know Why Podcast. I'm your host, Liberty McCarter, and we are still continuing our series on thriving at work. We've had several great discussions and we have more to come. Our guest today is Carrie Christopher. She is with Clarity Life Consulting. You can find her at claritylifeconsulting.com. And I want to carry on the show because I read one of her articles um, that she posted on Substack where you can find her there. Um, and it is so relevant to our generations as we're thinking about our careers and not just our career, but work in general and our life. The article she posted is called Leaning In and Out, Not Having It All. So Carrie, first of all, thank you for joining the Know Why podcast. Thanks for having me. In your article, you acknowledge that life has various stages Um, And so I know you specifically address women, but I think it's probably applicable to men too. When we think about having a family or wanting to have a family in the future, um, there is a lot to navigate when it, in terms of changes, especially if we want to maintain a career and we have certain career goals and thinking about all of that can be very daunting. So you suggest ditching the idea of having it all. And I wanted to ask why. Yeah. So I think a lot of it depends on how we define that phrase, having it all. Um, If we mean that we can do all the things at all at the same time without getting stressed, that's basically impossible. We are human beings, which means we are limited and finite. And that's actually part of God's design for us is that we can't do everything all the time, you know, exactly perfectly. And I think in our culture, especially um, this phrase, having it all, um, is usually directed towards towards women, although, as you said, I think it applies to men as well. And it tends to um, tell people that they can have a really successful full-time career, a happy marriage, a minimum of two happy and well-adjusted children, a nice house, regular social events, seeing friends, you know, getting dinner, a healthy organic dinner on the table every night, and then a whole host of other small things like I don't know, not being stressed about remembering people's birthdays or noticing when you're about to run out of milk or toilet mm-hmm. paper or whatever. Um, and usually it means doing all these things by ourselves. And that's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to think we can do everything really well, especially by ourselves. We are limited in our energy. We're limited in our time. And we're, we're limited by individual as well. Like, for some people, what's energizing is actually really exhausting for someone else. So when I talk about the idea of ditching it, ditching the idea of having it all, what I want to do there is just acknowledge that for many women and probably men too, there is this often unspoken societal pressure to do all the things, but most women are really tired out by it. And it's okay to say that version of life is not for me. Mm. 
Well, so good. And you know what? It's so relevant because we've done um, another episode in this series on thriving at work, specifically on burnout. And some of that we um, had a guest on who actually did a doctoral dis- dissertation on burnout and, and researched it. And he found that women are most likely to be burned out and younger people below 40 are most likely to be burned out. And maybe it is because we're getting this pressure from society that we have to have it all. And in reality, it's just too much. So as an alternate, you say, ditch the idea of having it all, but then you suggest um, discern what matters. And so can you explain a little bit more about that? And practically, how would somebody do that? Yeah, that's a great question. I think there are lots of ways we can, as individuals, discern what matters. And this is a lot of the work I do with my clients, helping them discern in their own lives. Um, The first step, I think, is to take everything to prayer. And I want to define that a bit because sometimes I think we go to prayer and we just say, okay, God, like you give me the list of priorities. But actually, this is an interactive process. The Lord is inviting us to, you know, take responsibility and ownership of our own lives and also to invite him in to guide us in that process. Um, So practically speaking, discernment happens really well when it happens in dialogue with God, kind of over the over the whole of our lives and not just in, you know, 10 minutes on a Sunday. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I think personal reflection is also really important. So many of us are running around like crazy. We're trying to do it all. We're trying to keep all the plates spinning. And we don't have time to just sit and reflect on our lives. And sometimes we avoid reflection because we're afraid of what it might reveal. And again, this is where doing discernment hand in hand with a loving God is really helpful. Um, For some people, reflection might look like deep conversations with a spouse or friend or a good listener who can ask helpful questions. For other people, journaling is a really good fit because it's a private kind of safe space, to be honest, where no one's watching. Um, I've got a free workshop, Journaling for Discernment, on my website, if that might be of use to anyone who's new to this. Also, reflection offers us an opportunity to consider what we have been doing and how that's actually going and what we might actually be longing to do and the changes we want to make. So there's reflection and then there's trying things out. We've got to actually be practical. We've got to try out the things and figure out if it really matters to us. Um, So just like one really simple practical example, I think Instagram and other visually stunning (laughs) digital spaces can make us feel like it's really important to have a perfectly, you know, seasonally decorated house with matching throw pillows. But maybe like you try that and it just stresses you out and you're just annoyed by the throw pillows Mm -hmm. or, you know, the seasonal decor that you have to dust. And maybe you begin to think like, actually, I really love spending time in my vegetable garden or my flower garden. I love spending time in nature. I love giving them to my neighbors, you know, when they're, when they're in bloom with my flowers. And you begin to reflect and think, actually, when I spend time in the garden, I come away more refreshed, you know, and like, I'm more patient with people. Um, I I have more prayer time and, you know, it's just a positive thing all around. Well, that's a really good discernment. You've taken stock of what you thought might be important and you've considered and reflected on it and then you've actually tried it out. And so that's just one tiny example of what a good reflection might look like. Yeah, well, great advice. And, you know, that kind of leads to the next thing I wanted to ask as well. Um, I, I hear a lot in what you're saying of understanding who we are. And like you said, 
we need to pray to the one who created us in order to do that, but also have time for self-reflection and just being alone with our, ourselves and with our thoughts, which is not very common in today's culture, but also the kind of questions that we ask ourselves and we ask other people, I think can help people figure out who they are and what replenishes them. And so you point out in the article that you wrote that from the time we're children, um, and we do this too with other kids, like we are asked what career we want. What do you want to do for work when you grow up? But a different question we should be asking is what kind of person you want to be and why is that more helpful? Why should that be the question that we ask kids? Yeah, I think the career question is really a question about productivity. Like, what do you want to be doing, you know, in your life for this one track? But we aren't asking kids to think about their characters, like the kind of person they are. And the character that we have, the kind of person we are, that is lasting, it's with us through all the circumstances of our lives, regardless of what we're doing. So we can be a kind person or a generous person, whether we are a Fortune 500 CEO or a window washer or a gardener. We could be a mean or greedy person, whether we're a Fortune 500 CEO or a window washer. And at the end of our lives, our character is what matters. It's what we bring with us into eternity. So it's the really lasting thing about us. And I think we would do well as a society to begin talking about that. Mm, yeah. Wow. That's so good. And so speaking of, you know, career, that's not something that, you know, what your your job title is, isn't something that you take with you. You know, it doesn't last. However, we all have to work in life and work isn't a bad thing. Um, if in the Bible, God created the first human beings, even while the world was still perfect in every way, um, they had work to do. So you talk about that in your article, how work isn't optional, but career is optional. And so is it okay to not necessarily want a quote career or like the typical 40 hour work week? Um, that's kind of looked on negatively, I think, by a lot of people if you know, when you're young, you don't express interest in that kind of traditional route. Um, is it okay to want something else? Absolutely. I love this question because it's like, I think a lot of us just need the permission to say it out loud, you know, that maybe we don't want this version of a work life. A career is a very particular thing. It's a kind of single-minded track, you know, of, of work life. And unfortunately, somehow in our culture, that track has almost become defining of who we are, like defining of our identity. But lots of people have varied interests and they don't want to be defined by one particular line of work. They want the chance to do different things throughout their lives or the different seasons of their lives. So I think sometimes people who express uh, a lack of desire to have a typical career, they might be considered lazy, but this doesn't have to be about a lack of willingness to work hard. It can just be a desire to work in various ways that accommodate um, a life that is more than just work, right? A life of family and friends and service to others and prayer. Mm -hmm. um, I think somewhere along the way, we picked up a cultural message that a successful career is a successful life. And a lack of career or unsuccessful career is a failure of life. And nothing could be farther from the truth. Because again, this goes back to character, right? There are people 
with successful careers who make a lot of money and are at the top of their field who are deeply unhappy or unsatisfied or who treat the people around them with contempt and disdain or who end up in, you know, terrible marriages, they might be the kind of person that nobody wants to be around. And at the same time, there are people with quote unquote unsuccessful careers who are the same and vice versa. So I think we, it's okay to just reject the idea that I have to define my life by what I'm doing for paid income, you know, for 40 plus hours a week. Yeah, that's so good. And again, we've, you know, it's a reinforcement of some themes that are occurring in this series on thriving at work with guests. You know, if you've been listening to this, really take that to heart. Your identity is more than what you do to pay the bills. And in our society, so often that's what it gets boiled down to. Even, you know, when you're introducing yourself, um, I'm, you know, such and such, I'm, I'm this or I'm that, you know, your job title insert here. And we're so much more than that. Um, and something else I love that you talk about is having or life happening in seasons, which I think is so true. Um, but can you explain what you mean by that? And you also say, you know, we can have a portfolio life. So what does that mean? Yeah. So first, this idea of seasons, I think if we take the weather, uh, the natural universe kind of as a metaphor, we can see that there are seasons in nature where plants and animals are resting, where fields are lying fallow. And then there are seasons where there's lots of energy. There's a lot going on. There's lots of growing and harvesting. And of course, everything in between those two extremes. And I think if we take this metaphor for our lives, it's really helpful because we live in the 21st century West with constant electricity and technology. Mm. And we're tempted to think we should always be on, always producing, always like go, go, go. But actually, we aren't machines. We are part of God's created natural universe. We are, we are part of creation. So we also need to embrace that idea that there are going to be seasons in our lives, some seasons where rest is a priority and we aren't getting a lot done and other seasons where we may have bursts of energy and lots going on. So I think that's really important. And I think also acknowledging that we live in a fallen world, which means that there are bad things that happen. And so maybe this is a season where someone is fighting cancer and it's not like they did anything to you know, deserve cancer. They just found out they have cancer mm-hmm. and it would be ridiculous to expect them to sort of just like be a machine and get on with life as though nothing has happened to them right? This is, there's a season for everything, like Ecclesiastes says. So I think that's embracing a seasonal kind of mentality. And those seasons can vary in length and vary by external and internal circumstances as well. Um, in terms of a portfolio career, I think this really fits nicely, a portfolio, portfolio life, sorry. I think this goes nicely with thinking about life in seasons. Because a one-track career for 30 years doing the same thing, which incidentally is not a bad thing. For some people, that's a good fit. And mm-hmm. for some people, it isn't. Um, but that is sort of a very linear, you know, kind of same amount of, of focus for the whole time kind of track. But a portfolio life recognizes, again, the sense of like, we might have a burst of creative energy where we're learning new skills or we're, we're learning a new trade or, you know, learning a new job, or producing lots of amazing things. And then there are other seasons where we're focused on other priorities, like 
raising our kids or helping a family member or even just kind of like taking a season of rest where we don't have necessarily, quote unquote, a lot to show for it. But this portfolio is is really varied. So instead of ending up with a linear resume or CV, you know, they kind of have a portfolio of like, hey, in these years, I was focused on raising my family. In these years, I was focused on, you know, becoming a photographer, for example. Um, I know of a woman actually who has pivoted from photography to counseling to painting to owning a B&B and homeschooling her son all very happily and successfully. And I would call that a kind of portfolio life. I think it's a beautiful example of what is possible. Yeah. And I think that's so beautiful too, because, you know, if that is something that, you know, is a better fit for a person or a certain family, then like think of all the beautiful and varied experiences that she and her family are having, you know, breaking out of that mindset that they have to do the same thing at the same speed for the majority of their life. I love that. But you also talk about how um, something you say is boomers really left their mark in terms of what we now call the traditional 40 hour work week, um, which uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this was kind of normalized post industrial revolution before uh, lives were a lot more integrated in terms of family and, and work and um, you know, our identity maybe not being so caught up in, in what we do to pay the bills, but I don't know. Do you think that those norms are starting to change, that there's a hunger for more of that portfolio life, like you were explaining? Yeah, absolutely. I think those norms are really beginning to shift. Um, It's really interesting because, as you said, a lot of this, quote unquote, more traditional career actually is a result of the Industrial Revolution and taking work out of home or out of, you know, village and shop and that kind of thing. And weirdly, the technology of the internet, I think, is starting to enable us to maybe go back to a more integrated life. Now, it comes with lots of pros and cons, but um, it's certainly like if you look at women owning their own business on something like Etsy, for example, you know, the internet has enabled women to have their own shop from their spare bedroom or Mm -hmm. from their dining room table, you know, while their kids are right there. Mm -hmm. So I think, like I said, there are pros and cons to this. Um, Obviously always like being available is a real problem, but at the same time, I think we're seeing a shift where people are saying, Hey, I want to be home more. I want to have a bit of a more balanced life. And I want to be the one choosing which hours I'm working, you know, and which ones I'm out enjoying nature or whatever it is. Yeah. So good. I definitely see that um, in my own life and among my peers as well. And so if this has resonated with you, then think about sharing it with uh, somebody else, a coworker or a friend with whom you've had these sorts of discussions. And, you know, you've given us so much to think about, Carrie. So um, I know you mentioned a free workshop and we will post your website and any other resources that you'd like to share on our website, knowwhypodcast.com. That way listeners can go back and dig in deeper. But is there anything else that you'd like to share, promote, or ways uh, that people can learn more about the kind of things you're talking about? Thanks for asking. Yeah, I'm online at claritylifeconsulting.com. I've got a blog that's full of articles on discernment and sort of practical tips that I hope will be useful to people. Um, a free downloadable workshop on journaling for discernment. 
And I just also really want to encourage anyone listening, um, if you've been waiting for a permission slip to say no to this societal norm of, you know, pressure to have it all or have a career, I just want to say, like, take this to the Lord in prayer and be free and really have the courage and the freedom to discern what He's calling you to. Um, Because I think the more of us who are willing to lean into our gifts and embrace this kind of, you know, non-traditional life, um, the more we're going to be able to show God's glory in the world. So good. Well, you heard it from Carrie, your permission slip. Be free of things that you don't want to do and take that to the Lord. Uh, discern what He really wants for your life and what the best path for your life is. You can find all the resources as we were talking about at knowwhypodcast.com. We'll link to Carrie's website so you can learn more. Thanks so much for listening to the Know Why Podcast today. And thank you, Carrie, for joining us. We'll see you next time on our next episode.